James Bond is on a mission to unravel the secrets of making ideas that stick and products that sell using a system called Brain Glue. Brain Glue is a concept that James has created, offering powerful techniques to make ideas stickier and more persuasive. It taps into cognitive processes that captivate attention and enhance the effectiveness of communication strategies. This episode, he walks us through the process and reveals techniques of making ideas sticky. He speaks on the importance of emotions in selling and marketing and explains how it influences buying decisions. So my dad was an entrepreneur and he actually was in a business that the mafia was involved with. He wasn't in the mafia, but I just, I was, as you're saying this, I just thought I was realizing this. So he was really a good negotiator. He loved negotiating. <clears throat> and so he got involved in um, um, the um, laundry business, basically. He would do like towels and, and uh, you know, uh, all, just all kinds of things, uniforms and stuff like that. And the mafia was involved in it in Montreal. And so rather than leaving it, because he didn't want to get pushed around, he became friends with them. He's not, not it was not illegal. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so, that I know. But uh, he and like people liked him, and they liked him because he, you know, he was, you know, he was he was genuine. Um, and uh, <clears throat> you know, he would say, "You guys, you know, hey, we know we're the mafia." Yeah, I think you guys are awesome. You know, I mean, he he wouldn't say like, "You guys are terrible. Go to jail." <laughs> you know, he was just like, oh, "I'll do business if if you're willing to let me do business, then hey, I'll do business with you. You can do business with me." And uh, I think that made me <clears throat> fascinated. I mean, I was the kid. So I was one of four, the oldest of four. And so we would, you know, he would, wouldn't share business with me. <clears throat> if I worked in this place, I had to fold towels. We always talk about my, my youngest brother would say, yeah, we're, we're experts at folding towels. You know, you fold towels, and as soon as you're done, another truckload comes in. You go, okay, here we go again, you know. And you get used to the fact that your brain has to do, go off and do something else because that supply is never stopping. But he would never share business with me. And that became fascinating and torture for me because I wanted to learn business. Like, how do you make a, how does, how do people make a living and do what? And how does money get made and all that stuff? And it, it led me to first uh, eventually running an advertising agency in Montreal. Uh, and we worked our way up and then eventually had some of the world's biggest clients in the world, you know, like Kraft Foods, Cymex, Avon, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, the booze company, their world headquarters is in Montreal. I I was fascinated by that, and that's how I got into marketing. And marketing is awesome because you get to, even if you're in advertising, you get to experiment on your clients. So typically what you do is, you know, you read something or you get a crazy idea. You go, okay, 80% of what I do is going to be tested stuff that we know, and it always works. And 20%, I'm going to experiment, you know, and I get to experiment and try stuff. And I go, whoa, that works. I couldn't believe it, you know. And so I had an opportunity in Montreal um, I, I've lived in, I live in Southern California now. And in fact, we named our middle daughter, we have a son and three daughters now. We named our middle daughter, we gave her the initials LA for, so we knew as soon as Lauren was born, we moved to, so she's 36 now. So we've been here for 36 years. Actually, I gave her the initial, the, uh, we named her, uh, her middle name is Asia, A-J-A. And she said, I love that name. You know, it's really fun and it's worked for me. And she's a realtor uh, in realty business. And she said, but what is, why do you, why'd you name me Asia? It's such a cool name, but it's unusual. I said, well, from the Steely Dan album, Asia. Um, and uh, they have a song, Asia, which is really great. It was like two years ago she said this to me. So then she calls me back and says, I just listened to it. It's horrible. That's what you <laughs> named me after. I'm like, sorry. You know, parenting is like, you give them a name and like they're, they're tortured by it. Like my name, James Bond, you know? Yeah. 
and people hanging up on me. But uh, so, but in in Los An in uh, Montreal, so we had because we were doing such big companies work that we're, we're logical. I'm a very logical person. Okay, come from a logical background, all that. <clears throat> so we had logical things that we would do and, and good visually. And uh, then we had an opportunity to do the anti-drug campaign in America. And the anti-drug, and uh, it was going to be good for us because it would give us lots of exposure, but also it was voluntary, you know, we're giving back and all that. And uh, they loved the campaign that we originally came up with. There was very logical reasons why you shouldn't do drugs. And then we lost, and we deserved to lose. And what we lost to in America, you know, I don't know if in Britain they have, the, you've ever seen it, but in America there was an anti-drug campaign. It was a guy holding an egg. Under on top of a sizzling frying pan, so the sound of sizzling was really loud. And he said, "This is your brain." Then he cracked the shell and dropped the egg into the sizzling frying pan, and said, "This is your brain on drugs." Any questions? And two things happened. The first one was, I knew it was profound. I knew this was a gazillion times better than my logical reasons to do drugs. Okay, to the campaign we came up with. This was emotional selling, but it also scared the heck out of me because this was emotional selling, and I didn't understand anything about emotional selling. How do you do? How they come up with this idea? I can't even relate to how they came up with it, and it scared me. And it scared me because hey, I'm supposed to be this you know marketing whiz, and I don't know this. How can I not know this? This is like the essence of marketing is emotional selling. And I realized that they didn't teach, they don't teach emotional selling in school. In the libraries I went and they didn't, you know, there wasn't uh, books. I mean, they had superficial things, but nothing that really connected with you. So you go like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And so I, I got a box and I called it my passion box and I put it next to my computer. And I said, and I wrote on a three by five card, your brain on drugs. So I remember that. And I put it in my box, my passion box. And I said, I, first, I was terrified. Okay, I got sleepless nights, but eventually, I said, "You know, the scientist in me says, I bet. I wonder if I could figure this out." So here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to put things in my passion box, and I'm not going to overanalyze them. I'm just going to put them in my box. And uh, every time I hear something or see an ad that's just fantastic, that's definitely uh, emotional selling, I'm going to put it in that box. But I'm not going to overanalyze it. At some point, I will. But I'm not. And I've been doing it for 35 years, by the way, so it's a box that's really full of stuff. But um, it just, I, I, my wife hated going to doctor's offices with me because I'd be going through the magazine. I go, oh, wow. She said, do not tear it out of the magazine. I said, no, no, I need this. This is amazing. She, <laughs> she would sit as far away from me as possible. I do not know that guy, okay? <laughs> tear it out, put it in my pocket, you know, and then put it in the box. Now, eventually, I would put things that were really profound in the box, you know? Sometimes I, I grew up with President John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. and stuff like that. And so he said, um, uh, President Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And I went like, I don't know why it works, but it works. It's something everybody's going to remember. So I wrote it down and put it in my box. Eventually, I learned it's called chiasmus, okay? And I'll talk about that just in a couple of minutes. And it's profound. It's actually a formula. You can actually follow the formula and come up with these phrases yourself. It's like, whoa, these are like life, you know, these stick to the brain like glue. That's why my book is called Brain Glue, because these are things that stick to the brain like glue. But anyway, so eventually we moved to California and I met John Gray and John Gray wrote this book called Men, Women and Relationships. It was pretty, it was a fabulous book. It's one of the best relationship books ever. By the way, he had a really good line for me. 
Um, I know, Sam, because you're an expert. I'm an expert, sort of, you know. He says, never tell people you're an expert. I go home and my wife proves I'm supposed to be an expert in relationships. I go home and my wife proves I have no clue about relationships. Call yourself a specialist. So I'm a specialist, okay? <laughs> it's it's worn me well. <laughs> you're an expert, not a specialist, you know. So these examples you're giving, are they examples of left brain or right brain selling? Because right I'm really brain interested selling, in this. Because a lot, so I want to tell you, I'll get back to the story in a second. My book was originally called uh, Sell More with a Right Brain Marketing Strategy. Mm, That's left brain, by the way. That's left brain. And so Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, the guy sold 500 million books. He doesn't need me to tell him anything. He sold 100 million uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul and 400 million of the Chicken Soup for uh, for the teenage soul, chicken soup for cancer survivors, soul stuff like that. Five hundred million books. This guy doesn't need me telling him anything. But he read my book. First, he got mad. He said, "I put your book. I started reading your book. I'm doing an ad for my book here, okay?" But but it was really it was exciting. It's exciting when somebody famous does this. Mm. He says, "Your damn book. I couldn't put the thing down." He said, "You're torturing me because I have so many things to read." And I started reading, it and I couldn't put it down. And I forced. I bought, got copies for everybody in my company. Everybody's required to read your book. I said, "Oh, mm. thanks. Hey, can I put that in my? <laughs> can I use that?" He said, "Yeah, yeah. okay, fine. On one condition." And what's the condition? You change the name. You have a you teaching us right brain selling, and you've got a left brain title. Sell more with the right brain marketing strategy. The whole book is about brain glue. You got to call the book brain glue. You change the title. You can use my uh, testimonials. Okay, so do I have to? You know, because when you publish a book, after so many reviews, uh, you hit Amazon's, um, uh, you know, what do you call it? Algorithm, uh, yeah. Algorithm, thank you. And then because of that, suddenly the sales go off. And I had a lot of reviews because people really love the book. But uh, he said, no, you've got to change the title. And he was right because I had a lot of people who said to me, um, I had two problems. They said, I couldn't remember the name of your book because the title was so long. Hmm. And then I'd send people to, and they they type up James Bond, and they get all the James Bond things. They never get your book, so I can't get your book. <laughs> I'm so glad you changed the title to Brain Glue, so now at least I can tell people Brain Glue is the book, you know. But um, but so, and he was right, and it's right brain selling, emotional selling. You want to trigger the emotion side of the brain. Well, going back to when I was in, when we first moved to Los Angeles, and John Gray. So John Gray was telling me he wrote. Um, um, Men, Women, and Relationships, a fabulous book. And he was frustrated because he sold a few thousand copies. But, you know, for you spend a year writing a book and, and then you get a few thousand copies. I mean, you got to work at McDonald's to make extra money or something, you know, or have a career. He's a PhD. Um, and he was, in a, he was in a seminar promoting the book, and he said something, and all the women in the audience started laughing hysterically and giggling. And all the men in the audience turned to the women and went, what was so funny about what he just said? And so somebody said, yeah, it's almost like men are from a different planet. And he starts laughing and goes, I guess, I don't know, men are from Mars. Well, Sam, I don't think we're from Mars. Just tell every woman, you know, I, yeah. I don't think we're from a different planet. We might be, but let's pretend we're not. Um, but they, everybody started laughing when he said men are from Mars. And when he went home, he went like, you know, that was really engaging, emotionally engaging. When I said men are from Mars, they laugh. Well, if men are from Mars, where are women from? I guess women are from Venus. Venus is the god of love. And then he got this crazy idea. What if I change the title of my book? I love this book, and people aren't getting it. So why don't I call it Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? And I'll do references of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus in the book. I'll keep the same book, but I'll do references to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus throughout the book. What do you think happened? 
almost overnight, he went from selling almost no books to half a million, then a million, then two million, then five million. He sold, get this, 50 million books of men are from Mars, women are from Venus, okay? And so when I got home, it's 50 million. So from a few thousand to 50 million, all because he changed the title? That's yeah. it? That's what he did? It, yeah. it, it's true. It's because he, he triggers Bringle. He triggers parts of the brain that make it, you know, I was in a bookstore. I remember buying, you know, I'm in a bookstore. And I go, men are from Mars, women are from Venus? What's that? And I picked it up, which is the first step to buying it is picking it up, right? Yeah. And on Amazon, it's like clicking it, okay? But so I picked it up and I was like, I started looking through it. Like, oh, this is great. I got to get it. And I got it. And that's how he sold 50 million books because it was, it engages the brain so much that you go like, whoa, and it gets you started. Because we're, yeah. we're bombarded with information every single day. When I mean, people walk around, they, they, don't, they almost get hit by traffic because they're, they're using their phone while they're crossing the street, you know? So when I got home, I'm, I'm putting the book inside my uh, passion box. And I said, wait a second. This is too good, too valuable. To st All you had to do is change the title and something suddenly it, it radically sold a gazillion copies. And so I said, let me dump my passion box on my bed and see if I can group people, now group things in different categories and then i started realizing okay if it's a it's a metaphor or analogy okay because we're not really from a different planet all you girls out there we're not from a different planet okay <laughs> okay so maybe you think we are um, but so it's it's but it's a metaphor or analogy and i went okay the tv show shark tank you know shark tank is not a tank full of sharks you know, it might feel like it if you're on the show, but it's investors. But if they called it Investors Club, do you think it would be as successful as Shark Tank? I don't think so. There's something that triggers I know now it isn't because there's something that triggers in the brain. I've done a lot of research on this. I was watching a TV show on Discovery Channel on the history of uh, Dreyer's ice cream. And uh, back, the, it, it's, it, they launched it during uh, the Great Depression. They launched, there was, they had, Chocolate ice cream, vanilla ice cream, and strawberry. That was all that existed. So they decided they were going to have chocolate ice cream with nuts and marshmallows, and they're going to call it Rocky Road. Well, Rocky Road is not – you don't open it, and there's rocks inside it. <laughs> Sorry, mm. okay. It might feel like it sometimes, but it's not. But you, but it feels like a Rocky Road because it's bumpy, and it was clever because they used an analogy. But it also uses two other tools that are brain glue tools. The second one is uh, alliteration, R -r -r Rocky Road, Okay. And I started doing research and realized how many blockbusters started with nothing often and became blockbusters that use alliteration. Coca-Cola, PayPal, TikTok, you know, I mean, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, Best Buy. I mean, they're, they're just, uh, you know, there's so many. Uh, there's, in fact, hang on a second, I want to do this. Um, alliteration has uh, tools like movies, Beauty and the Beast, Pink Panther, King Kong, Peter Pan, Dr. Doolittle. You think it's a coincidence that they chose alliteration? How about this? Famous celebrities, Chevy Chase, Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Manson, okay? I mean, uh, uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, anyway, it goes on. Um, there's terms, Cape Cod, baby boomers. I'm a baby boomer. You know, if they call us, you know, old people, I don't know what they call us. <laughs> baby boomers, it sticks, yeah. you know? Cool as a cucumber. Cream of the crop, dead as a doornail. How dead is a doornail? I want to know that, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it's because they use alliteration, it sticks to the brain. And it's, it, so think of TikTok, okay? TikTok's massively successful. If they called it the Chinese social media platform, you think it would be as successful as TikTok? 
No, you know? And so alliteration was another one. Then the third tool that uh, Rocky Road used was humor. And humor is tremendous. It triggers something called oxytocin that goes into the bloodstream that actually makes us more receptive. So if you tell a joke, it makes people much more receptive to saying yes to you. Mm. And so um, for them, the humor was the... um, the Great Depression was called. We're all on a rocky road. Mm. They called it the Rocky Road. It was actually a, a you know a name that they called it. So they said, so we're all on a rocky road. You might as well eat Rocky Road ice cream. It's kind of funny, and they would go, oh, that's funny. I'm going to buy that ice cream. But anyway, so because they used several of these tools, it exploded like crazy and became successful. Then mm. I recognized um, rhyme. So I grew up with. Uh, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, okay? The best time peck of pickled peppers, Peter Piper picked. <laughs> Peter Piper yeah. picked a peck of pickled peppers. I could say it, even though the last time I heard it was when I was like five years old or four years old, mm. you know? We have, uh, I mean, there's just so many of these nursery rhymes. Jack and Joe went up the hill, who I say it, and the audience goes, fetch a pail of water, if they yeah. remember that. Jack fell down and broke his, you know, I'm old. <laughs> I was like 60 years ago was the last time I heard that. On my deathbed, you could start by saying, Jack and Joe went, and I would finish the phrase, because it sticks to the brain. And it wasn't because it was repeated over and over again, although that could help. But it wasn't that. It was because rhyme sticks to the brain. So we have O.J. Simpson in the O.J. Simpson trial in America, and uh, Johnny Cochran, his attorney, said, if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. Or if the gloves doesn't fit, you must acquit. And there were two. And he, with all this pile of evidence against him in the murder trial, they still acquitted him. And acquitted him. And I remember two of the jurors were on a, um, you know, being interviewed, and they and uh, the interviewer asked, you know, with so much evidence against him, how can we let him go? And one of them said this while the other one was nodding her head in agreement. And she said, hey, we knew if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. The gloves didn't fit. We had to acquit. Mm. It's so powerful that could you get somebody off from a murder trial. So rhyme is a really powerful tool. In fact, I'll give you this tool, this phrase. This phrase got Wonder Bread was the largest selling bread in America for a decade. They invented sliced bread. We have this term that we use uh, as, well. Wow, that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're actually referring to Wonder Bread because it was the first time they actually sold bread that was sliced. And they dominated the market. But it's bleached bread. You know, it's white bread. And so there was an illness called pellagra, which is similar to the COVID one that we all had. The people were dying and people couldn't figure out why they're dying all over the place. It turns out they didn't have enough vitamin B3. Today, they put niacin in foods and stuff, and niacin is a, it has a lot of B3 in it. And so, but the competitors to Wonder Bread came up with this phrase. They said it to journalists, and suddenly it was on every newspaper, and people stopped and almost threw Wonder Bread into bankruptcy. You know what the phrase was? The whiter your bread, the, the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. Oh, dear. Yeah, you don't powerful, want to put death Powerful in a, because in a it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> So rhyme is another one of the tools, okay? I recognize it's really, really powerful, and you can use it to become, you know, really successful. Then, and in fact, there's a, um, a Squatty Potty is a is a monster of a blockbuster product. Uh, it's a toilet stool, and it's yeah. a, 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 um, a son and his mother that came up with the idea while they're in the bathroom. Okay, on the toilet, come up with a product idea. Hey, I'm on the toilet. And if you can raise your legs a little bit, your feet a little bit, it helps the you know, shape of your body so you can go to the bathroom better. I don't want to get into that. but And they wanted to come up with a name that would really resonate with people. And so they came up with, um, so they, what are some of the words that relate to toilet? Toilet, toilet, potty. Oh, potty. Okay, people call it a potty. What rhymes with potty? And then they, well, you have to squat. 
Squatty Potty, Squatty Potty. And because they name it, came up with the name Squatty Potty, within two years, they ended up being on Shark Tank, the television show, and they got investors and stuff. But within two years, they went from zero with no business experience to $100 million of sales. And you think if, the call, if it was called a toilet stool, it would be as successful as Squatty Potty? No, you wouldn't even remember the name. But Squatty Potty, what a, what a name. You're almost laughing when you hear that name. And then you go, okay, I get what it is. Hey, that's interesting. And, you know, and so rhyme is really powerful. Then there's something called chiasmus. And chiasmus is like, rhyme is A-B-A-B, chiasmus is A-B-B-A, like it flips. I'll give you some examples of chiasmus that we all know, okay? Um, winners never quit and quitters never win. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? So um, uh, um, President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. He also said, mankind must put an end to war or war will put an end to mankind. Malcolm X, Malcolm X, a civil rights activist, was fabulous, black activist, and he, because he loved chiasmus. He said, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, the rock landed on us. Okay, and he's like, whoa, you know, that's if he said, oh, you have no idea how hard it is being black in America, having grown up and all this stuff. Yeah, it goes in one or the other, not because you're not listening, but because I got it. I heard that before or whatever else. But we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock landed on us. Poof, sticks to the brain. And it's like, wow, this is profound. He also said, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And that's profound. I mean, it's so profound. It could be 100 years, 200 years after he's, after he's passed away, and people are still using those quotes because they're profound, because they stick to the brain. And so when we recognize uh, Mae West, who was uh, uh, a movie star in the early days of the movie, motion picture industry, had a ton of them. It was really, really great. She loved it. It made her famous. Mae West had uh, – she, she actually did a, wrote a play, and she called it Sex. She was actually in the early days of the sex movement and everything else and women. She was the first woman. She was really for women. She was the first women leader. She would actually even they would put her in movies. Uh, and um, Cary Grant got discovered by her. And she would get into movies. They would say, if you put me in a movie and give me a script, I have to be able to write some lines in my script. And they, gave, they said, yes, you can, because they recognized she was so good. So here are some of Mae West's um, um, chiasmus lines. It's better to be looked over than overlooked. Mm. Women like a man with a past, but they prefer a man with a present. <laughs> yeah, and a future, if, if you're asking the right ones. Right. No, no, but present, a present. Give me ah, a present. Ah, yes, of course, yes. <laughs> the present, not a future. Forget the future stuff. They like a man with a past, but they prefer a man who shows up with a present. Okay, yeah, gotcha. With a present. When women go wrong, men go right after them. <laughs> How about this one? Good girls go to heaven. Bad girls go everywhere. <laughs> you know? And so I remember the, the song. Um, if you can't, my wife hated this song. She wanted to make sure I didn't follow the rules in this song. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Crosby Stills. Even if you didn't love Crosby Stills, everybody remembered that song back then, you know? And so it, these tools are like really, really powerful. Let me give you another tool. This is, so there's something called... Um, Redintegration, not reintegration, but redintegration, which is the brain's need for completion. Mm -hmm. It's why we watch crappy movies to the end. I go into the living room, my wife's watching this TV show, and I said, Hey, is this any good? She said, No, it's stupid. So I said, Why are you watching? He said, Well, I want to see how it turns out because they introduce a problem. We have to see it. So the most powerful tool of human engagement is what? 
I'm using it now, aren't I? Can you tell what I'm doing? Questions yes. are powerful tools, aren't they? Yeah. You know, because our brain, when we, I, I talk to an audience of two or 300 people, like for the U.S. Small Business Administration I do coaching for, and I'll start saying, and it's, you know, I'm asking questions, aren't I? You're going to keep answering it, aren't you? And, and slowly but surely, you're trying to stop. And I said, you're not shaking your head, but inside you're shaking your head, aren't you? And they go, yeah, okay. You know, because we're wired to answer questions. So questions are really powerful. Mm. Because it's part of it's part of reintegration, which is the brain's need for completion. But that's also why we like symmetry, because you know my wife will look at some guy. He's got an eye like this or something, and she goes, "He's driving me nuts." I said, "Why?" I said, "You can see if you cover half his face, he looks one way. You cover the other half, he looks like a totally different person." You know, because she can recognize asymmetry, which is something that doesn't connect. So. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this about Marilyn Monroe. So her name was Norman G. Not everybody, most people know. And she changed. One of her managers said, "Marilyn, you should change your name to Marilyn." And then I think it was her stepfather was named Monroe, so she went Marilyn Monroe, which uses alliteration. Marilyn Monroe. Okay. She loved uh, Jean Harlow, a famous actress of the early days. And Jean Harlow had platinum blonde hair, and she was massively famous. So Marilyn said. She went to the same hairdresser as, as uh, Jean Harlow and had the hair colored exactly the same color as, Mar as Jean Harlow. So now she looks like Jean Harlow. But Marilyn has on her left cheek, she has a, a beauty mark or a mole. And so she would cover it up with makeup. But one day she's looking at photographs of Jean Harlow and she recognizes Jean Harlow. Some, in some photographs, she has a beauty mark on her cheek. And in some photographs, she has a beauty mark on her chin. And then she goes, wait a second. I bet she doesn't have a beauty mark at all. I bet she's just making a dot on her face to attract attention to herself. From that point forward, Marilyn Monroe would dar darken the beauty mark instead of covering it up. And she believed a big part of her becoming famous was because of the beauty mark because it attracts attention. So Cindy Crawford is a supermodel. And Cindy Crawford was born and she has this big beauty, this big birthmark over her, her, her lip on, a, on the left side, I think it is. And she begged her mom to get it removed, to take her to the doctor to get it removed, and her mom didn't. And she says right now, she says, I am so glad my mom didn't get it removed. I believe a big part of how I became a supermodel is because of my birthmark. I mean, you think about it, what? It's because it attracts attention to the face. And because it attracts attention, it hooks you, you know? And what made me think of it was, um, David Ogilvie is one of the fathers of the advertising industry. And David Ogilvie was doing an ad for Hathaway Shirts. Uh, which eventually got bought by Warren Buffett, by the way. <laughs> so it must have been pretty good. Then we became successful. And so if you're doing an ad for Hathaway shirts, you know, just a, a magazine ads, what are you going to have? You have a nice background, a good-looking guy wearing the shirt, and a nice pants, okay? And he's standing there. And every shirt ad is going to look the same. So what did, what, did, uh, uh, what did he do in the ad? He put an eye patch on the guy, <laughs> you know? You know? <laughs> Like, it looked like it was a really neat eye patch. The guy was looking really cool, but he had an eye patch on. And so people go like, what? And it was the man in the Hathaway shirts. That's what was, the ads were, would go, okay? And, they, and he said it became massively famous. David Ogilvie said it became massively famous because of, he didn't say asymmetry back then, but I say asymmetry because he put an eye patch on the guy. So I was in church and I saw this woman and she had a huge beauty mark above her uh, her eye. And I noticed because I was thinking about, you know, asymmetry and the idea of having like a dot on your face and stuff like that. And so I started asking people, did you see so-and-so's wife? They said, which one was she? She's the one that had the big beauty mark. over. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw her, you know. 
they didn't notice it. They, it sticks to the brain. They recognized it. I started doing research and I started discovering how many famous people recognize it. In fact, pictures of Madonna, some pictures you can see she has a beauty mark on the left side and some on the right side. So she must know this also. But it's just like, whoa, these are like things that stick to the brain. So I recognize, basically, I say this, I found the secret to becoming rich in business, and it blows people's minds, you know? Basically, I have this goal that I'm doing as a million millionaires, and I want to try to create a million millionaires where people start doing this. They use brain science to make it easier to get people to say yes to your ideas or buy your products. And so we have, like, just the first time I started, I finally started understanding brain glue and how it works, I had these... Uh, three guys who were partners and had a construction company, and uh, they did two million of sales, which isn't bad. It's a, you know pretty good. In one year, I took them to ten million. It took them ten years to get to two million. In one year, I took them to ten million, and they went to thirty-two million two years later by applying Bringo. I've got tons of examples like this. And what did I do? So I said, "You do construction." So let's pull out a whiteboard. I love whiteboards. And I said, let's make a shopping list of all the different types of clients you've worked with or go after, okay? Made a long shopping list. I said, okay, fine. We're going to play a game right now. I want you to pick one type of client as if you're going to focus just on the one and say no to everybody else. They said, well, we don't want to say no to everybody else. If somebody wants construction, we want to do it. I said, I got it. We're playing a game. We wanted you to pick just one. If you were going to focus on just one, who would you? What, which would you pick? It took them up. Excuse me, it took them a while, and then they finally said, you know what, fire restoration for insurance companies. We've worked with two different insurance companies, well, you know, one or two jobs each, but it was like every time they had a client that had a fire, you know, we'd have to go in and first check if the frame is damaged. If the frame is damaged, you have to tear down the whole house. But if it isn't, then you can actually build it up, just make sure it's not going to catch fire again and all that stuff. And I think we could specialize in fire restoration for insurance companies. So I said, okay, that's good. So then... We need to come up with a brain glue name. Okay, I was just starting brain glue. So they were like, brain glue, what's that? You know, I said, well, we'll come up with a name that's like this. So when people are, when these insurance, people working in insurance companies are thinking of, about you, they're going to think about you when somebody has a fire. So let's take the word fire. Oh, let's call you a fire extinguisher. And we'll give you the, the name Fire X. And so when you go into clients or prospects, just say, just think of us as your fire extinguisher. You know, we're firex.com. Yeah. And, uh, this way, every time you have a client that has a fire, call us. We're your fire extinguisher. We're not going to put out the fire, but we'll fix it after. And the clients would laugh. They would laugh. Ha, ha, ha. We're a fire extinguisher. But their business exploded because every time they had a client that had a fire, guess who they called? The fire extinguisher, you know? And it's just like it suddenly I started realizing, like, this stuff works. It isn't just theory. I mean, this it worked for all these people. You know, I reverse engineered it, and then I started applying it. And it started working for client after client after client. That's why people like Jack Canfield's, he, he's wrote like, I think, 45 million, 45 books besides the uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul book. And he was kicking himself. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't kicking himself, but he was saying, I'm kicking myself. I wish I had read your book sooner. You know, it's always good when somebody rich says that. It's like, oh, hey, thanks. That's great. You know, but it's, you know, really, thank you. Can I use that? You know? But uh, I actually have it on recording, by the way, <laughs> just by the way, just in case. But he gave me permission. But um, but it's just it it you know he said the chicken soup for the soul. He was he wrote a book with uh, uh, this other co-author, but he wrote the book of the book, and he it was called 101 uh, motivational stories that will motivate you. Okay, 
And he said, I, I was having sleepless nights. I was trying to come up with a name because I can't just say 101 motivational stories. You know, there's other books like that and everything else. I want something so people realize how deep and passionate this is. And he woke up one day and he went, you know, chicken soup, you know, makes you feel good. Well, this book makes you feel good. I should call it chicken soup for the spirit. But it bothered him because he said it wasn't exactly right, but it was close. Chicken soup for the spirit. And then he came up with soul, S-O-U-P, S-O-U-L. It's, it's using alliteration, by the way, Bringo tool. And so not only did he use an analogy or a metaphor, chicken soup, chicken soup for the soul, soup soul. You know, he's got the the sound and the sound work. And he said, no, I, I have so many books that I've written besides the chicken soup for the soul that right now, having read your book, I would have re retitled the books. And it made me realize, like, wow, this is like, it's fun. It's so much fun that, you know, I want you guys out there, become millionaires, you know, just, you know, check Brangle out. You, even if you, hopefully you buy it, but even if you don't buy it, you know, check it out because you can get extra excerpts of it and stuff like that online and it just it helps you to understand and recognize and this is the thing sam this is the thing that's the most important that we have to recognize it feels subtle but it explodes because it's working with the inside of our brain not the outside it isn't like you have to slap like come on buy my book buy my book buy my product you know it's like hey what 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 did you just say you know look at her face she's got a birthmark on her face well that's interesting oh you know it's subtle but it's subtle enough to turn her into the, the you know, famous. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering, how can we kind of use brain glue in our businesses? You mentioned the FireX thing. So, you know, having a name that kind of sticks into that person's brain. But let's say we've got an entrepreneur out there who's the business is established and they, you know, they're struggling to get more leads. You know, the more leads you have, the better your business is. So I'm assuming by using brain glue techniques or using brain glue in their business, they'll be able to get more leads. So I'm wondering what are the processes that the listener can go through to kind of get an element of brain glue, you know, obviously from this conversation, you know. I'll show you then, how. So, so the first thing you want to consider is a, a metaphor or analogy, and you want to come up with the craziest one possible, okay? We tend to live in a box. It's got to be logical and everything else. I'm going to give you an example, okay? This guy was not, he didn't read my book, but he's brilliant, Paul Tran. Paul Tran came up with an electric razor that shaves man's private areas. I don't want to get too much into that, but shaves man's private areas. And so he came up with an analogy or a metaphor that is making everybody laugh. And it's called the lawnmower. Mm. Okay? So yeah, what happens is as you're buying, laughers are buyers, okay? He eventually up calling yeah. his company um, – a manscaped, okay? Mm, I want to yeah. give man, landscape man, so I'll call it manscaped, and buy the lawnmower. And the lawnmower became a monster of success. And so why? You know, I guess guys are really into it, obviously. But the other one is, guess what? I just bought the lawnmower. You turn into a salesman for it because you start telling other people, guess what? I just bought the lawnmower. You know, guys do it. Us guys do it. We probably won't tell a girl. We might. But, you know, it's funny. And so what you want to do is you want to start with a metaphor or an analogy that's, like, you know, what is your business or product like? And the more you can think about it. So I'll give you an example not with um, with a mom comes to me and says, so my 14-year-old is driving me nuts. He asked me this question. I don't know how to answer it. So you're an expert in brain glue. Can you tell me? I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm a specialist, but okay. you know. But okay, I'll, I'll try. She says, no, no, help me. My son, he's 14 years old, and he says, mom, why do we have to follow so many rules in life? 
tough question. So the first thing I went with was rhyme. Rules. What rhymes with rules? Fools. Only fools don't follow rules. Okay, cool. I've got a little phrase, but let me punch it up with analogy or metaphor. And I came up with this, you know, bouncing ideas off with her. I came up with this metaphor. So I sat down with her son and her, and I said, so you were asking your mom, why do we have to follow so many rules in life, right? He says, yeah. And I said, well, when you're thirsty, you can drink out of the toilet. But why would you want to? Ugh. Remember, only rule, only fools don't follow rules. He looks at me and he goes, oh, that makes sense. Does it really make sense? Or did I just trigger parts of his brain? You know, and, and there are two political comments that relate to this, okay? You can't hug a child with nuclear arms. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> it's, but what they're doing is they're anchoring. Okay, they're taking so, you know, hugging a child is emotional. Nuclear arms is a totally different emotion, and they're mm. bringing those two together. You can't hug a child with nuclear arms. Now, I don't get into the politics of gun control and everything else, but I heard a comedian say this, and it was it, it, it sticks to the brain too. And it's the right to bear arms in America. It's a big uh, political thing, but it, the right to bear arms is almost as crazy as the right to arm bears. Yeah. Okay. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, sticks to the brain. It isn't logical, but it sticks to the brain. And so start with your product or service or business and come up with a metaphor or analogy. It's just like, and be as crazy as possible. You know, go out, go outside the box and come up with the craziest ideas. Then the second thing is, remember this guy, he created the lawnmower, right? I mean, like, what? So... Come up with the craziest idea and then share it with coworkers, with family, with friends, and watch their reaction. I think it was one of the things that we discover is, you know, you come up with a crazy um, metaphor, it resonates. And it resonates because it gets people laughing, too. By the way, when you la get somebody to laugh, it triggers oxytocin, which makes people much more receptive to buying your product or service, by the way. So lawnmower gets people laughing. You know, Men are from Mars, Women from Venus kind of got me laughing So I, while I'm looking at it. Not laughing, ha, 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 that's hilarious, but laughing like, oh, that's okay, you know, and I started looking at it. And so what you, when you, you use that and start with a metaphor, it can really help you to come up with, you know, um, a, a name or description for your product or service. In fact, we had a, a consulting company. Uh, we a behavioral management firm for 13 years. We had you know PhDs in psychology and organizational development on one side, and then consultants on the other side from big companies. And uh, we have really powerful tools that we would use to accelerate the growth of companies and help people get a step outside the comfort zone. And but as we describe it to people, to potential clients, their eyes would gloss over like, okay, because we would throw all these technical terms at them and everything else. And so I came up with this analogy or metaphor, and I said, we're just like a personal trainer or a coach that shows up at your house. Mm. I can get you to do, they can get you to do more push-ups than you could do on your own. You right. know, maybe you're going to do 20 push-ups, I'll get you 10 push-ups, I'll get you to do 30. Come on, you can do a little bit more, a little bit more. We do the same thing. We bring psychologists in, and they get your top people to tackle something a little bigger than they would normally do on their own. And when we described it this way, suddenly it resonated and it went, Oh, that makes sense. That's interesting. So, so let's take your top people and let's, you know, obviously we come up with projects and stuff like that. But by saying that analogy or metaphor, suddenly it simplified their ability to understand what we're offering and to resonate. And so we're like a personal trainer, personal coach. In fact, we would ask people afterwards, um, you know, so did your 
boss uh, asked me to tell you what we do. He said, yeah, you're like a personal trainer or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's stuck in a guy's brain. That's how we explain because otherwise it's too complicated to explain. I got personal trainer for, you know, it's going to help us grow our business, you know? Okay. <laughs> you know, but it, it just, it resonates. So that's the starting point is always start with an analogy or metaphor. And then like a uh, squatty potty, you know, think of synonyms for the word that you have, it's, you know, or, you know, like I have a fire extinguisher, okay? Uh, you know, think of a word that's really resonates with your customer or client or prospect when they're considering your type of product or service and then own that either through rhyme or through, you know, connecting it and connecting it like fire extinguisher, connecting it to something they would do. And I, it's just, when people start doing this, because this is the funniest thing, this is the most enjoyable thing. People go, okay, there's something you have to need to give them a little bit of a nudge to do this. They get the idea and they go, huh, it's really fun, but I don't know if I want to do that. Well, no, you got to do that. I get people saying, well, I, I came up with this new metaphor. We changed the name of our product or whatever else. And oh, we thought we'd give it a try. Huh, we ran out of the supply. We had to order more product because we ran out of product. I can't believe how fast we ran out of product. And it's because it's, it's you know, we're not, tra we're trained logically, not emotionally, but there are major studies that have shown that 90, more than 90% of decision-making happens in the logic, in the emotion side of the brain, not the logic. But we're trained in the logic, you know, math and all that stuff. How do you make logical conclusions? How do you make logical uh, presentations? When in fact, yes, people will buy from logic. That's why in marketing, one of the things they say is they want people to know, like, and trust you. Yeah, because you're not selling emotional. If they tell, tell them emotional, then you don't even need that low, no, like, and trust. You know, a lot of stuff we do for running ads, they don't get to know, like, and trust you. Maybe they do because they know you or heard of you or heard of a product or whatever else. But, you know, you don't want to just depend on that. What you want to do is you want to use brain glue. You want to use something that sticks to the brain so they go, well, that's, that's kind of cool. Oh, wow, what's that? That's really cool. Huh, let's check this out. You know, almost to the point that they want to show Rocky Road ice cream. Check this out. Rocky Road? What's that? Hell, let's share a taste. You know, suddenly you're sharing it with people because it resonates with you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And, you know, I've had a lot of marketing and sales and behavioral experts on the show, but definitely, and this is something that I would normally not say, but I'm going to say, this is definitely one of the, the best conversations I've had on this idea because it's coming away. And the one thing that's stuck in my head is sticks to the brain. So now I'm always thinking, how does this stick to the brain and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I think one thing that I would like to hear kind of you talk about is the idea of using the brain glue techniques or the brain glue kind of systems to create urgency as well. Because that is something that, you know, nowadays, a lot of people can see something, remember it, but there's no kind of feeling for them to act now. And I'm wondering if there's a way using the brain glue techniques to create a sense of urgency for either a buyer or, you know, a seller or that type of thing. So yes, there is. But before I answer that, I want to say something differently. Okay. But it relates to this. The first, not everybody's ready to buy right now, no matter how hard we try. And I, I'm a specialist in, in sales and I, you know, bring me in. I mean, uh, you know, anyway, I got lots of examples. I work with Warren Buffett's team. They wanted to turn people into salespeople and everything else. But the, here's the first thing you want to do. Okay. If somebody's not ready to buy now, you want it to stick in the brain so they remember it. So at the moment when they're ready to buy, they're going to buy from you. That's the first thing, okay? Because you, if you don't have that as a tool, then if they for some reason they're not quite ready, they're close to the edge, but you can't push them across the edge, when they're ready to cross the edge, you want them to buy your product. There's a famous example of um, um, country squares. 
Uh, so Post Cereals hated uh, Kellogg's, which is funny because he actually stole the idea of, cereal, of breakfast cereal from Kellogg's. Anyway, but they hated Kellogg's because Kellogg's always beat them. So the head of uh, Post uh, decided they wanted to invent a whole new category of, of breakfast cereal. It turns out to be snacks, not just breakfast cereal. And we're going to put it in a toaster, and it, it'll come out like a cake with like jelly inside it and everything else. Really cool. You know what it is, everybody, but I don't want to say it yet, okay? So, and they called it Country Squares, and they started doing um, sales promotion where they would be interviewed. And they said, we have this product. It's probably going to come out in about four or five months. And it's Country Squares. And they describe what it is. <laughs> so the head of Coca-Cola said, okay, we've got to beat them. If we have four or five months to invent a product that can do that. They found a way to do that. And then he said, we need a better name. And so, um, um, so uh, what's his name again? Uh, who is the pop artist? Uh, Andy Warhol. Oh. So Andy Warhol was really popular back then, okay? Yeah. And he was the pop artist. So why don't we call it Pop Tarts instead of Pop mm. Arts, okay? Pop Arts, Pop Tarts has two benefits, okay? The first one is familiar because people already heard Pop Art because they're talking about Andy Warhol is famous. He was like all over the media, whatever it was. I think the Rolling Stones tongue, you know, I mean, on a, on their, I mean, there were so many things that were either uh, motivated by pop art, the whole concept of pop art. So calling it Pop-Tart was familiar in the brain, but it also uses something I call sense elevation, pop. It pops out of the toaster, Pop-Tart. And so so they launched it, and almost overnight, they ran out of product. <laughs> they had to run apologies. Sorry you're buying it. We didn't realize how many people were going to buy this thing, okay? But even though they didn't, ex the, the uh, um, Country Squares, they launched it You know, a couple of months later, no one would buy Country Squares. They actually eventually stopped selling the product because uh, Kellogg's came up with a better way to describe it. Yeah, you know, Country Squares. It's like really, we invented it. Too bad we have the name Country Square Pop Tarts. We own it. Ha ha ha. You know, because they have a, a name that more it resonates a lot more with audiences. And so, what you want is when people are ready. Most brain glue tools. You're asking me the question of. How do we uh, engage people so that they want to buy it right now? Yeah. Well, the good news about uh, the good news about brain glue is that if you take like um, chicken soup for the soul or men are from Mars, women are from Venus, if you're in a bookstore, you're looking on Amazon, you know, you want to get high numbers so that the, their algorithms will work. But the bottom line is, when you see it, it goes, oh, and you stop for a second because we're so bombarded, and so just by nature. It does stop you, okay? It does make get you wanting to buy right now. But the second thing is, not always, but often. The second thing is there are certain tools, like Takeaway is a really powerful tool. It's like, you know, look at Apple. Apple Computer, they know that a million people are going to want to buy their, their upgrade of their, their new phone, right? So what do they do? They make a, a limited supply so it runs out, so people are standing in line waiting to, to get it. When I talk about in Brain Glue, the, the power of, of Takeaway, okay? And it's, you know, when you take it away from us, we want it even more. And so it's just it's the nature of, uh, you know, how our but how our brain works and how our, our brain. But remember, the reason people don't buy right away is because it doesn't trigger the emotion side of the brain. Once you trigger the emotion side of the brain, you can actually get people buying your products and services right away. You might still, I'm, for my book, I still have to let people know about the Brain Glue book exists. But I got tons of people buying the book. 
and I don't have to say anything about it. They just go, you know, they either see in a bookstore, or they see it in a, you know, on Amazon, or somebody referred them, or they, you know, they saw it because it, they, you know, there are lots of ways to do it. I, I'll stand in line. Huh, I do this thing. I torture bookstores. Okay. <laughs> Like we'll go to an airport and I'll take a couple of my books and I'll put them on a bookshelf in a bookstore. <laughs> and they can't you know, sell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I, part of what I did was I want to see people buy it. So they're standing there looking, looking, brain glue. What's that? Huh? That's weird. Pick on. Oh, it's kind of Jack Canfield quote, mind blowing. Okay. Huh? They start looking through and they go, okay, I'm going to buy it. Especially at books at the airports. And they walk to the cash register. And I'll stand in the cab. My wife, my wife is the one that came up with the idea, by the way. But they're, when they're ready, there are two things you want. When they're ready to buy, you want them to, you know, you want them, you touch them, and they, you want them to buy yours, okay, because they're ready to buy. Those are the first people you want. The second one is people who are not ready to buy yet. What you want to do is, you well, sorry, the second thing is what you were talking about, which is you want to trigger the buying emotion so they want to buy right now, okay? And Brinkley does a lot of that, uh, but takeaway will add to that. Uh, but the third thing is, if they're not ready to buy yet, but they, you know they're thinking about it, then you want to stick to the brain. So they're going to go another way to do it. I talk about brain glue. I have this guy who said, I heard you, you know, you were talking at one of the uh, um, small business administration things. And you talked about it two months ago. And I just went and I bought it today. I said, well, how come you waited so long? He said, I, I just doesn't, it wasn't, I wasn't ready. I said, you weren't ready to sell more? I said, I'm trying to make millionaires, you know? He said, no, I got it, I got it. But I was just, we had enough going on that I wasn't quite ready. But I, it's just, it's, it was sticking in my brain. And every once in a while, I just think of brain glue again, you know, where we have to write an ad for our thing. And I thought of brain glue. I said, yeah, I wish I had that book. And I, I started, uh, we came up with a new product. I had to come up with a product. And I went, oh, geez, I wish I had brain glue. And eventually, but I, I, he said, I'm just, you know, like a jackass or something. I just, you know, I'm stuck. It takes me forever before I finally make a decision. And I finally said, the heck with this, I bought the book. And he, and he said the same thing Jack Campbell said. I couldn't put your damn book down. It was like I started reading. I figured I'd get some ideas. I was like, oh, I'm writing notes. I'm like, you wouldn't believe how many things I've written in this book. So thank you, you know. Sorry, thank you, you know. But it's just because it, this is the thing. I, I didn't invent brain glue. I invented the term because it sticks to your brain like glue. But it exists. We were using it, and we didn't even know it. We used rhyme. You know, we use the Jack Canfield used Brinkley. He didn't even know he was using it. He just he knew passionately he wanted something that was going to resonate with people. And he didn't just want to call it, you know, 101 motivational, motivational stories, because it's more than that. It's it's something that affects you deeply. And then he came up with, wow, you know, a chicken soup for the soul. And then suddenly he became world famous. I mean, he's massive. He's a monster of success. You know, and it's because it resonates with the with the brain. And it's it's. You know, we want to get inside the brain. We want to get in there so fast and so easily that uh, it, uh, it resonates. So I'll give you two, two uh, examples, by the way, that aren't in the book, but that relate. Uh, well, a major example, and it's past, present, future. And this is really profound for people. The most powerful tool you have is questions. And some of the most important questions are, we had an advertising company, okay? For example, past, have you ever worked with an advertising agency before? Whether they said yes or no, we would say, well, what worked for you and what didn't work for you? They would tell you, okay, are you working with one now? What's working for you? What's not working for you? In the future, in the ideal situation, what would you love to have happen? They're telling you how to sell them. Past, present, future. Okay, I have a psychologist and they'll say, have you ever worked with a psychologist before? Or uh, neuroplasticity, okay? I, yeah. I have a, a, a brain glue line I said to them. So neuroplasticity, 
Uh, if you want to mold plastic, you need to warm it up first, right? That's what you need to do to your audience or your, your uh, patient. You need to warm them up first before you start hitting them with the tools. Oh, wow. And they're all saying it really makes sense. Well, I just hit them with a little bit of a, a little you know, metaphor. But, um, but yeah, so just, sorry, I lost my train of thought because I was thinking of neuroplasticity. I'm going to all, they're having me speak to them. I said, I'm not a neuroplastic. I don't care. You have to talk to them because we're dealing so much in theory. You're dealing with reality that it's much more powerful. And we need to have you educating all these neuroplasticians. Okay. <laughs> you know, but it's yeah. just, yeah, it's, when you start to understand how the brain works, it's fascinating. And it's, you know, just, you know, it's just, it's fascinating. I just find it amazing. Yeah, no, you've got so many like tools, tips and techniques. And, you know, I'll let you know this because, you know, we're coming up to near the end of the interview. But I had a list of 15 questions. And in the last 50 minutes, you've basically mentioned, well, mentioned and answered all of them without me having to ask them, which is like so fantastic. Because for me, I was like, OK, cool. I, you know, I'm going to dive into this guy's concept and theory and hopefully tease out the right kind of points and stuff. And I'm going through and reading them. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yep, answered that, answered this, answered that. But I guess one thing that I'm curious about, and this is more so about you than the idea of brain glue, you know, obviously like when you're running for office, you would go, oh, I'm obviously going to vote for myself. Everyone kind of subconsciously knows that. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite book? You've mentioned two quite extensively, one obviously being brain glue and the second being chicken soup for the soul. But I'm wondering for you, what is your current favorite book or what is a book that had a profound impact on you and it, it doesn't exactly have to be a book but it could just be a teaching or an essay or something one. yeah predictably irrational right yeah predictably irrational if you're in marketing and you haven't read that book you got to read it because he's showing that people you know people are irrational but you can sort of figure out what people are doing it's 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 profound he's a um i forget what they call it a, a economist who's uh, market economist, I forget what it's called, but he's opened up, he's uh, contributed to this whole area where people are recognizing, you know, why do people do what they do? We think people are going to do things that are logical. We don't all do things that are logical. You know, when you understand why people do things, you know, then you used to go like, oh, in fact, the story, he starts to tell the story. He says um, he was in a hospital in Israel. I guess he's Israeli. And he was and, and he was all burnt. He had burns all over his body. And so the nurses would put these this wrap. They put special medicine and wrap him. OK. And then in the morning, they would come and they would take off the wrap. And normally you'd suspect they take it off really slowly. But it was so painful, they would rip it off. And he said, you have no idea how much it hurt. And he would ask the nurses after, why are you ripping it off? And they said, because it's so painful. We wanted to get it over with as quickly as possible. And he would say, do you understand? It's making it more painful for us. And they'll go, yeah, but it's so painful for us as a nurse, having watching you experiencing it, we want to get it over fast. It's like, that's not logical. If you love your patients, you try to make it as little as unpainful as possible, and yet you're ripping it off fast. And then he goes into like some really profound things. Oh, I've got one one of the things he says, because. So you stand in front of a, a photo, you know, he did it in universities, that he would have somebody, a, a line of people standing in front of a photocopy machine, and then one person would go up and say, can I make a quick copy? Normally they say, no, yeah, wait in line, you know, but if you add the word because and say anything, can I make a quick copy because, you know, my coffee's burning, I don't know, whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, okay, fine. And they would let, because he used the word because, they would let you go up there and do this. It's just like wacky things, but when you understand how the brain works, you go like, oh, interesting. You know, he started, I thought I knew humans, I don't really know myself. <laughs> you know, yeah. you start learning. So Predictably Irrational is an awesome, awesome book. Lovely. 
Well, I mean, James, you have been like a wealth of knowledge. There's so many things that I'm coming out of this that are going to stick to my brain. And what I want to ask you is a question I ask every guest, but the answers always vary. And I'm sure you're going to have a fantastic answer to this. What is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Watching people come back, come to me and give me feedback. To me, that's the greatest joy. I was in a, a grocery store with my wife because I do a lot of things for a small business administration. That's by how do I develop the whole concept because I got to practice it on audiences. But this woman who's like must be 85 years old and she and her uh, girlfriend have um, a store that sells, a small shop that sells buttons from around the world. You know, from deepest, darkest Africa to, uh, you know, to, I don't know, to Greenland and to whatever else it is. And they're really amazing, beautiful things. And uh, she comes up to my wife and she says, your husband is amazing. He helped me. You know, I'm like a bear. It's like, sorry. You know, but she said, he's, you know, he helped us. Our business was in trouble and now we're doing well. We're getting orders from around the world. It's so much fun. And it's all because of him. And it's just, you know. I'm not bragging because of it, but I'm saying for all of us, it has to be, there's a moment where you get a, a moment of joy that, you know, we're giving back. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time was Pay It Forward, you know, and it was just that whole concept of if you get success, if somebody helps you and you don't pay it forward, then you're sort of, you're making the world better by paying it forward. And so it's just, to me, that's the, it gives me the greatest joy is when people give me feedback on what they've tried and that has helped them. Where can the people find you online? The book is easy to get, and it's if you go to braingluebook.com, you don't have to struggle through Amazon. It'll take you right to the Amazon page. Not a sales page, it's an Amazon page, okay? And then you can actually get samples. You can hear, we've got an audio book too. We have this really a fun, you don't have to hear my voice, it's good. We have this awesome guy, Johnny Unitas, okay? <laughs> but he's he's not really the foot, a football player named Johnny Unitas, but he's got this name, but it's great. But he's hilarious. And so he does the narration for the book, and you can hear part of it there. Whether you buy it or not, not you know, hopefully you do, but if you don't, that's fine. But but also, Amazon lets you look at sections of, of the book free. It lets you look at the table of contents, and that outlines 14 different areas. And I think that just looking at that will start triggering in your mind. You can read some samples of it also. So braingluebook.com. That's probably the easiest way. And uh, yeah, and I think uh, you'll have fun. By the way, if you get the book, I have a freebie that you get online that will actually gives you a, a workbook so you can actually take all the things, you know, people are using the book itself and they're just going and they're you know, applying this or applying that. But there's also a fun little game type thing that you can get that uh, is uh, that lets you have fun while you're putting the Bring Blue uh, tools together. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend. 